Well, whilst this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio, I'm Rob Parkson, and I'm here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got James Sweeten. I'm looking forward to a show, James, talking all about sport in Salford and beyond. I'll tell you what, Rob, there isn't a better part of my week than talking to you and Paul about all things sport in Salford and beyond, so I can't wait for another cracking show. Yeah, also joined got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in Detail. Paul, looking forward for another fun-packed week talking rugby league and general sport. Yeah, it's always an highlight talking to you guys. Yeah, looking forward to it. There's always plenty going on as well, isn't there? So, uh, so yeah, looking forward to the show. Yeah, so loads to go at. We're going to start with the football, James. And the UK and Ireland have been selected, or are due to be selected, to host the Euro 2028 finals uh, with Turkey withdrawing. That's great uh, for us. Yeah, it definitely is, Rob. I think we're all looking forward to that. Obviously, coming so close to all those years ago when we took on Italy at Wembley Stadium. Didn't quite do it that night, but here's hoping that we can get another roll of the dice. I would absolutely love it if the tournament took place in our neck of the water. I think it'd be absolutely exceptional. And for Irish fans out there, it would get them into the competition, which is a great start. (laughs) It'd be great, obviously, Paul, the... uh... You know, we've hosted uh, the World Cup in 1966 with the Euros in 1966, like James says, 2020 as well. Um, it's great that we're able to host these major tournaments. Yeah, it certainly is, and um, they're all, they're always excellent tournaments, aren't they? I mean, 96 was uh, was a tremendous tournament, really brought the country together. So, uh, so yeah, it's great when you can get that on home soil. It gives you a bit of an advantage, I think, as well, doesn't it? When it gets the, the nation talking about things as well, doesn't it? So, uh, so yeah, special times. Yeah, obviously looking back at your 96 James, what were you then? Minus two or something? Uh, I was would have been minus three back then. So uh, obviously, <laughs> even at that point, still a still a big football fan, Rob. I enjoyed yeah. it very much. Yeah, it was a, it was a very good tournament. Um, first time uh, I ever cried at a football match watching uh, Gareth Southgate miss his penalty in the uh, in the semi final against Germany and and Gert, is it Gert Muller scoring scoring his penalty with his hands on his hips, looking all angry. Very, very sad, Paul. Did you did you cry that day? No, I didn't cry. No, oh. it was a funny, it was a funny evening. That my dad locked himself in the garage, so uh, <laughs> I, I went looking for my dad in the back garden, and like about half ten at night, he, he was stuck in there. He locked himself in, so uh, someone put the padlock on. I think Carl Louise had put the padlock on, so he'd missed the penalties and that. So, uh, so I sat and watched it on my own. But um, I remember watching the nineteen ninety penalty shootout at the, the old house we used to live in, and. Um, I remember me, me dad saying to me, he said, you weren't even interested in the penalties. You were too busy playing with your toy cars on the floor. So, mm-hmm. so it just shows you my interest in football, really. But but no, it was a, I tell you what, the 96 one was a great tournament. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I'm not a massive football fan, but I did watch all the games to that. I had the sticker book. And around that time, I was sort of quite big into football, to be honest. So um, I think it was one of those tournaments where it just captured your imagination, especially when you're, a, I mean, how old was I then about, 13 or something so um, yeah when you're a, a young lad like at school playing with your mates it, it does uh, it does capture your imagination yeah panini sticker books James got 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 need 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 remember that <laughs> I, I most certainly do remember that Rob I absolutely adored them and mm-hmm. my favourite feature of them Rob was that when you're about 50 or so stickers from the end yeah. you'd have an option at the end of the book to contact panini and they'd give you the remaining 50 have you been through that well I do remember the that process i remember you know 
sort of loads of sticker books that I'd be collecting through the years, and especially with the, you know the Premier League just starting as well, you had all all that excitement. And they did do World Cup ones and Euro Euro Championship ones as well. Um, I think it's quite it's quite popular now as well uh, these days, Paul. Obviously, the, the the kids have grown up now, haven't they? They're just big kids now. Yeah, I, well, I remember years ago as well. They used to do like. Um, sort of meetings and that, didn't they, where you went to, like, an old school hall or something and you could go and, like, swap with people and all that. These were, like, swap shops and all that, didn't they? Mm. I don't know if you remember that. I think they had one at the Civic Hall in, in A, wouldn't they, where I lived years ago in the, in the 90s. And, yeah, the Shinies as well. If you got a Shiny, that was always worth two, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, two players for a Shiny. So, uh, so no, I used to love sticker books. And it's funny because... My, uh, my niece has moved into my bedroom at my dad's house now, so we got all got cleared out. I got all my stuff back a few weeks ago, and I got a little box, a little shoe box with some stuff, and it's got all my 1994, 95, and 96 swapses in there wow. still left in. So I was going through them, and I even had some pro set cards as well. If you remember them from the early 90s, they, they, had little, they were the cards, weren't they? So, uh, yeah, it's amazing to, to look at some of the teams back then that are probably in the lower leagues now, like the Notts County and teams like that who, who, were, who were in top flight football and, and and they sort of disappeared off the face of the earth, some of these clubs. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it brings back a lot of memories, that, them, them sticker books. Yeah, for, for good old days, good old days. Looking back, looking forward to the 2028 uh, Euros, uh, Wembley, Cardiff, Tottenham, Everton, Newcastle, Villa, Hampden Park, Aviva, uh, in Ireland and Camden uh, Park in Belfast, um, James. You know, some iconic stadiums there? Yeah, most certainly, Rob. I'm also sort of thinking right now whether it's worth putting the wheels in motion for a Sports Zone Island show. Yes, to get people involved and we'll all be excited by them. No, we most certainly will be. I think, you know, we, we should take this show international. So uh, doing, some, doing some gigs out there might not be too bad for us, Rob. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we'd be we'd be doing, uh, you know, the UEFA a favour, Europe a favour, because we'd be promoting both the competition and Salford as well, because that's what it's all about, Paul. It's about promoting your local talent as well as national talent too. Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. And I think it's, it's very special when you get these um, these home tournaments. I mean, we've not had many, have we? You know, just the two we've just spoke about there. But it does... It does, um, you know, get people interested in, in sport as well, and gets youngsters interested in it. I think it's good for the economy as well, isn't it? And uh, good for the country. So, and it's being spread, you know, all about the British Isles. So, um, you know, it should be it should be excellent. That. I mean, it does sound a long way away at the moment, doesn't it? But it soon be here, won't it? You know, time seems to fly by, doesn't it? So, uh, and yeah, and I th- I'm sure it'll do wonders for grassroots as well, because often with these sort of things, you get grants and things like that. So, hopefully, um, some of that money gets filtered down to the grassroots football as well I'm sure the uh, FIFA and, and uh, you know your way would have learned James from the sort of the end of the 2020 Euro tournament with the England fans rampaging through the streets after uh, in the final uh, I'm sure they'll have learned from that and we won't see scenes repeated No you'd, you'd like to think not obviously it does happen in football that the fans get a little bit carried away and obviously as Stephen Warnock would say you know by all means enjoy it but do it by being disciplined. So I think that's what uh, that's the advice that he'd have to give there, Rob. Yeah, and I suppose that's the he's a legend of a manager, Paul. You'd have to listen. Yeah, yeah, too right. Yeah, you, you, you had about there, Neil Warnock. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's is he still knocking about? Because I know he's um, 
he's just left Huddersfield, hasn't he? Yeah. And um, but I don't think he said he's not retiring, so he's entertaining. He's absolutely. If you've watched some of his uh, YouTube videos and that, he's he's very very funny. But yeah, you have to listen to what he says when he speaks. You listen, don't you? He's very underrated, isn't he? As a manager, I think James. Obviously, you know, the likes of Pep Guardiola, uh, Jose Mourinho, Jurgen Klopp. You know, all very technical. Uh, Neil Warnock getting it with him, getting it with him, getting it with him. Yeah, and that style of football I enjoy, Rob. Obviously, Pep Guardiola somebody who creates a sense of creativity and a sense of brilliance. But there's also something in football where simple makes sense. Mm. And managers like Neil Warnock really have won them over. I mean, as Paul said then, you can listen to any clip with the man and it'll be entertaining. He's had such a good managerial run from his time at, you know, like so QPR, Leeds, Rotherham, etc. He's been around. He's been around for a very long time. and He's always been somebody that's won the hearts of the people. Yeah, and it always makes you wonder, Paul, the the modern day manager, how they would deal with being transported back into, say, the 60s, 70s, 80s, where management uh, and conditions and environments were different. Yeah, I think the same can be said for some of those managers, you know, the likes of Brian Clough and people who managed back then and... You know, we look at say say you brought Cluffy and now what what would he be like now with you know with with players that are on the diets they're on now the nutrition they're on now what would he have got out of those players because football is a totally different sport to what it was in the sixties and seventies and eighties isn't it so uh, I suppose it's a, two, a bit of a two way street that isn't it really so uh, so yeah but there's there's no doubt that the, there's plenty of characters in football like you said about Warnock I think uh, you know he, he's been um, a legend everywhere he's been really hasn't there's a couple of clubs I think he was at Oldham and, and Bury in the and it didn't really work out for him then. I was speaking to somebody who followed all a chance there and uh, perhaps they, they missed the ball with him there but if you watch his documentary at Sheffield United uh, that that's a pretty good one he had some good good times there didn't he so uh, so yeah an entertaining guy definitely yeah famous football manager from the old days would make it now James the game's a little bit softer now, isn't it, Rob? Hmm. So uh, their style of play and their attitude probably wouldn't fly. But I, I, I personally prefer that. I don't know how you feel, Rob, but I, I like that attitude. I like football to be a proper, you know, a man's game where they really get stuck into it. Sports just different in it now. It's it, when now it's about athletes out there, all specimens. Everything's done under a mile an hour. Back then, sort of seventies, eighties sort of early 90s they were more human weren't they you know people got tired people you know got injured didn't they were really injured by being kicked when now what most injuries I think are just sort of like muscle tears because pit because players are pushing their bodies to the absolute limit like is it ACL injuries where they twist you know we didn't it did we hear many injuries about ACL injuries back in the sort of 60s 70s Paul I don't know, but we, we, we sometimes we, we hear all these things, don't we, about all oh, the players are like this finely tuned athletes and all that now, but are they any better? Do we get any closer to winning tournaments with, with these great players? I mean, we did pretty well back in the day, didn't we? We won the World Cup in 66 and, mm. you know, we did pretty well in 1970 as well. 86, we did pretty well. 1990, we, we were almost there at the final. So, we to me, we've done better, you know, in the past than we have done in the last sort of 20 years or so really haven't we we've been pretty shoddy haven't we since you know 1990 I mean I know we got to the the Euros in 96 and after that we was pretty naff really weren't we in the, in the sort of late 90s and the 2000s we yeah. struggled to qualify for things didn't we I think was the game at um, 
Old Trafford where did we beat Greece and just about managed to scrape yeah, the qualification Beckham, something Ben Beckham scored yeah so we was in and out and I, and I know there was a famous um, sort of speech that Mark Saggers did was it at the 2010 World Cup when he was slagging the players off and that <laughs> and I think they were really really poor in that World Cup tournament weren't they so um I'm sure it was a 2010 one where we didn't do very well. So, we, you know, we're with these finely tuned athletes. They're not always getting the best out of them, if you like, are we? Yeah. Golden generation. That's what that was. Golden generation, James, which never won anything. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, how many times have we looked at, you know, England squads over the years and stuff like that, and they've never quite done what we expect them to have done? I mean, there was... That lineup wasn't there when you had like Skulls, Gerard, and Lampard in the midfield, and none of them could play together, and the whole yeah. thing was extremely frustrating. Ultimately, I guess if the chemistry isn't there, it isn't there. Yeah, big problems, big problems back then, but obviously now football's moved on now, hasn't it? And James, and you know, we're all very flu- fluid about positioning and where people play. We're not rigid four four two like we were in the Mike Bassett days. No, I mean four four two is an interesting formation. It was sort of the the old reliable, wasn't it? Whereas now managers want to mix it up a little bit more, and you see four four two a lot less. I still feel like it has a part to play in football. I'm not against the four four two structure, like some people. What's your take on that? It's just the overload in it in midfield because team like to play five don't they in midfield which gives you an extra man and when everyone starts pressing if you've got an extra man in that area you're allowed to get away with the ball aren't you and teams know that so it's it's how you counter that really but it is difficult that's why teams like playing five rather than four james yeah i get what you mean obviously a lot of the managers have a, a preference for that but again at the end of the day in football you can mix it up and it's all about what players you have on the pitch at yeah. the end of the day, I mean, if you look at Manchester United at the moment, a team that has so many high-quality players, and it doesn't seem any formation is working for them. Yeah, it makes me makes me feel sick, James, when you think about it. The amount of uh, you know players they've got and you not not be able to function as a top team. I mean, how much money have they thrown at that, Paul, and still struggling? It's strange, isn't it? You know how how, how football works sometimes, and it makes me wonder whether. A lot of it's psychological, whether mm. it's in players' heads and it's mental. It's a mental thing because you know sport and rugby league, as we as we watch in football, they're pretty simple sports really. And I think the science of it sometimes just overcomplicates things, and people worry too much about the uncontrollables. And perhaps you just got to get on with it and, and just just bring it back down to the nitty gritty of, of of what it is, and and just play the basic game. And you know, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that Manchester United. Are a lot better than you know recent results have suggested, really. But at the moment, they look so vulnerable; it's unbelievable. But they've got the they've got players there that, that should be doing better than what they are. But I suppose it's a million dollar question that Robin. If I knew the answer to it, I wouldn't be fixing boilers for a living. I'd be managing football teams and getting paid a lot of money for it. Be fixing Man United, Paul. That's what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> the um, talking about sports science. Let's move on to to the VAR. Uh, debate uh, James Liverpool had a goal disallowed uh, against Tottenham uh, which shouldn't have been uh, the FA have recently uh, released the audio of the VAR um, in people talking amongst themselves about how it should be disallowed when it shouldn't have been um, what's your thoughts on it well first and foremost Rob I'm never going to complain about something going against Liverpool <laughs> so right. I feel, feel that that should be put on the table first and foremost well, okay <laughs> I've always been a massive fan of VAR and that's mm. not just because it's ruined Liverpool here. It's This is a general opinion. I've always been 
big on board with the concept, the idea. The issue is that, obviously, you've got referees of a high level who are getting it wrong, and they've got an opportunity there to watch the clip several times over. So, for me, there's not really any excuses. What's your thoughts on it? Obviously, Paul, we've had rugby leagues, had video referees in uh, for a while. Uh, I can't remember such a big error like that, though, happening in rugby league. Um, I'm not a fan of it in rugby league. I never have been, to be honest with you. I think it was always the case of you, you, you just got on with it and, you know, if a decision went against you, you spoke about it after the game, you had a debate about it and then you moved on it was a week after. But I think in rugby league, it's different because we have the on-field decision and things like that. So it, in rugby league, it tends to contradict itself a bit for me. Football's a bit more sort of black and white, isn't it? You know, the referee goes over, has a look at a monitor and makes a decision. Whereas in rugby, you've got, you've got two people there, haven't you? Mm. With the on-field decision for the referee, and then the the video referee can't sort of override that unless it's hundred percent and he can see it. So it, it, it does tend to contradict itself. But no, I don't know in football. For me, I mean, I don't watch a lot of football anymore. But I've got friends who do, and the the, the people I speak to always tend to say it's sort of it's a bit of an anti-climax. You, you score a goal, and and sometimes you don't really celebrate it properly because. You, you think it's going to go to VAR, so I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, you two will be able to tell me, you know, do they get more wrong, than, sorry, more right than they get wrong? I'm pretty sure they do, don't they? Mm. Do I they? think they get more right than they did because you can look at it again, can't you? So yeah, many yeah. sort of goals through history, which I'll come to in a minute, James, that would have been awarded or disallowed if VAR was uh, available. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there was an argument, wasn't it, the other day, if you look through history, how much would it have changed? Mm. If VAR was a thing, there'd be World Cup winners who wouldn't have their medals. There'd be Champions League winners who never would have lifted that European trophy atop their head. So, it's an interesting one. Yeah. I made a list of the goals that would have been given or not given, depending on if the VAR was there, alive and kicking at that time. Start with the Jeff first one, 1966 World Cup, over the line or not. Uh, James, that certainly would have been looked at. Yeah, it most definitely would, Rob. First and foremost, I enjoy these type of games, so I'm glad you brought this to the show. Mm. But I agree with you there, and that would have been an absolute game changer for us, wouldn't it? It would. It would, Paul, and obviously would have changed English football history on a, on a click of a button. Yeah, yeah, it would have been, wouldn't it? I mean, if you think about it in rugby league as well, there's probably a lot of... Um, tries in rugby league that were scored whereas if you'd had video replays it would have changed the course of history really wouldn't it you'd have been right, rewriting the history but I think in football as well yeah you, you, well you'd have looked at the Maradona incident wouldn't you in yeah. the 86 World Cup they'd have had a look at that wouldn't they and said that was an ampoule and probably red carded him so yeah I think there'd be all sorts of stuff like that wouldn't there where um, you know things would have been changed especially the, the ones where the ball crosses the line I think that's probably had a, had a big thing over the years, offside as well and things like that. So, um, so yeah, it's um, probably mind blowing really when you think about what could have changed and what 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 sort of gone uh, gone ahead. Yeah, I had Maradona on my list. You took that one off my list. Next one I've got is Pedro Mendes, Spurs, Old Trafford, 2010. Roy Carroll juggles the ball over the line, but then manages to scoop it back before the linesman sees it from 50 yards away. James. Yeah, I remember that. Utterly ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah. A turn of events that I think shocked everybody watching it. And that sort of reminds me of another one that did my head in, Rob. At the time, we're talking about Ireland in the World Cup there. Do you remember when they paid for, uh, played France and Thierry Henry oh, used his hand yeah. in, a rather, in a rather devastating manner? Oh, yeah. And that was like a national incident as well, wasn't it? 
remember but, that. I mean, the quarter Irish blood that I had was absolutely sizzling at that. <laughs> your, cup of, your cup of Irish blood was on fire that day. It was boiling over, bro. <laughs> uh, talk about Irish. I've got another one. George Best v. Gordon Banks in the 70s in a friendly where Banks was about to goal kick the ball out of out and best nips in sort of kicks it over his head and scores but then the referee calls it back because he thinks that the referee uh, the banks had the ball in his hands uh, which he didn't james yeah yeah he didn't did he i mean interesting one isn't it i mean george best somebody who was obviously an exceptional player in his own right somebody who was capable of magic and on this occasion perhaps the magic wasn't there no another one Frank Lampard against Germany, 2010 World Cup. It's the bar, it's the line, it's the back of the net, it's the bar again. Comes out, no goal, Paul. Yeah, I think we lost that game quite comfortably in the end, didn't we? About 4-2 or something like that. That's the World Cup I was talking about before where we we didn't do ourselves justice, I don't think. I think there was another one I can remember in the 90s. I think it was, uh, was it Chesterfield? They play Middlesbrough, did. Old Trafford. Mm. And I think there was a, a really dodgy goal in that that denied them getting to an FA Cup final. I think they were in, like, in the third division or something. And yeah. they had a fantastic run in the, in the Cup. And I'm sure there was a, a goal what should have been given like that when it went over the line. I remember watching it on the telly because uh, I had a friend who, from Chesterfield at the time who used to work with and um, he, he was at the game and I remember him saying, um, you know, they, they got robbed a bit there in that game. Yeah. And the final one I've got um, it was... Sol Campbell, 1998 World Cup against Argentina. I think Shearer yeah. and the Argentinian goal comes together. Uh, referee gives a free kick for the foul on the Argentinian goalkeeper. Re- uh, Sol Campbell's running off celebrating, pump- punching the air in delight, looking all emotional. Cameras cut back to Argentina, racing up the, pe- up the field and narrowly uh, put the ball wide. Uh, and it's total chaos because everyone thinks it, it could have been a goal either side, James. Yeah, it's difficult again, isn't it, Rob? I mean, you get these situations where VAR would have absolutely changed everything. It would have been interesting to see what would have gone on. Ultimately, I mean, is there something almost magic in these outrageous decisions that were were missing? Because that's the other side of the coin, isn't it? Obviously, as I said, big VAR fan. Mm. But there are other people who who like these iconic moments where it's the Thierry Henry handball, the Diego Maradona handball, all these instances, the George Best with the uh, with the Gordon Banks, all these type of things. And they add to that drama, they add to that controversy. For example, there used to be a goal and fans would celebrate it. Now you are awaiting that VAR decision. What side of the line do you tap? Yeah, I think what's one of them, James, where you see them now, where they'll score and then they'll look, won't they, to the, to the linesman to say, am I on? When really, it, sh- it should just be a, a moment of joy where you shouldn't be looking at anybody. They should be just celebrating the moment. But half the time, they're looking around to say, I was I onside? Can I celebrate now? And it's, I suppose, like James says, Paul, it spoils the, 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 the joy of it, really. Yeah, that's what I was saying before about one of my friends who watches City, and he, he was saying that about it. It's, um, you know, when you think back, he always tells me about the uh, the 1999 when they beat Gillingham in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and it was just two, two moments of sheer sort of elation when they scored those goals late on to, to, to draw 2-2 two, two and take it to extra time. And, um, you know, if, if that was now, you'd have probably been waiting for some sort of VAR, but if you actually watch the crowd on that occasion, it was just... 
sheer delight and people just going absolutely bananas, wasn't it? But does it just does the VAR take that away now? That that bit where you get lost in sort of in your own sort of football world with all the people around you for sort of thirty seconds or whatever? Does it take that away now? We'll have to wait and see. I say, Paul, it's it's a moment in it. It's that's what sport is. It's it's being lost in that moment. I suppose technology is is taking that that magic away. You know, bit by bit. So that's all the football chat. And now we're going to do boxing, aren't we, James? We most certainly are. There's a lot going on in the world of combat sports. And before me and Paul break it all down, I've got an interview for you guys. It's an interesting one. This is with a fighter called Akon Wanless, who also goes by the name of the Jedi. So for the sci-fi fans out there, you'll love him. He comes out to the cage dressed as Darth Maul. He brings his lightsaber out. He loves it. For the interview, I actually wore a Star Wars jumper, so the whole thing around that isn't going to quite make sense over the airways, but he thoroughly enjoyed it, as you'll be able to sense through the interview with the powers of the Force. So without further ado, he's starring on Octagon Challenge, which is a reality TV show going on right now on Channel 4. He'll fight in the Manchester Arena on November the 4th. It's Mr. Akon Wanless. Right, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Akon the Jedi Winless. I've even got my Star Wars top on for you. To celebrate oh, you today, I have to. We've got Darth Vader playing a bit of football. I don't know how good he's been at football, but I thought I'd uh, address to impress today for you. So the first question I've got to ask you, right? You're obviously incredible in the world of mixed martial arts, but I want to take it a step further. If you were to get in the cage with a Darth Vader and Obi Wan, whoever you choose, I reckon that would go down. Damn. I mean, I feel like I fucked Darth Vader up in like five minutes. I'd like, uh, you know, he, his ego is too big for his helmet. Yeah, you know, one of those. And then uh, he comes out with the force choke, but I am the master of the force. He's too much on the dark side. He's too unbalanced. So I'd take him out. So I'd so have you, to take him out first because he's the, he's the biggest one. He is, he is. I mean, it seems like you've got the skills to possibly beat all of them. There's some difficult fighters for you. I suppose a matchup with Yoda might, might put your skills to the test in a different way. You know what? I just I literally just skipped past him because you know the the head height. But Yoda Yoda actually would mask me up. I'm not gonna lie, Master Yoda. He taught me everything I know, and uh, man, he's he's still he's still sensei. Absolutely. I mean, there's some great great characters out <laughs> there, and some mixed martial artists have had training at American Top Team or Manchester Top Team or SPG. All these great gyms. It brings something a little bit different to the table where you're coming in with skills learnt by Master Yoda. And you've been showing those skills yeah. in your career so far. You've managed to become the coach of Team England in Octagon versus uh-huh. Ireland, the challenge, a great television show. And I'll tell you what, you've been an entertaining character because within seconds of being introduced, you were getting into it with Aaron, weren't you? Oh, man. The, the, I don't know what happened to him. He locked eyes with me randomly. We, we're all just introducing everyone. And I'm just, I'm not sliding anybody up. I've literally just walked into the building, like just. Oh, hi. Okay, cool. This is Team Ireland. This is Team England. Just meeting everybody. What are you looking at? <laughs> I kind of was like, I was, I was like, huh? Me? And he was like, yeah, yeah, you look like you want to fight. And I was like, what? I said, oh, I'll, I'll knock you out in five seconds. Know your place. What, what, what are you doing? And uh, the, oh, you already know. He got knocked out in the first uh, first round against Bo. I didn't jump the case because I'm even more ecstatic <laughs> that that happened. I was like, yeah, see what you get. But um, nah, he, he's a good guy, man. And, and um, it, it's uh, unfortunate he got humbled in that way. But man, the force is strong with Bo. 
Uh, we we lost in uh, round two with uh, with uh, um, Armand against Jake. But so it's leading one one. So it's looking very exciting for this week, which the episode comes out tomorrow. So let's see if we can get this victory back. I'm excited to see who's fighting. I don't know who's fighting, but you guys will be excited to see who's fighting and how the matchup goes. Yeah, and you mentioned that fight with Bo. He obviously produced an incredible performance. And this is an opportunity for you to further your career. It gives you a massive platform as the coach of Team England. But it seems you've really developed a bond with this lad because as soon as he won, you're in the cage. You had him picked up. So it looked great for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, obviously one was, uh, you know, the little beef that we had with uh, Aaron. I mean, I can't go in there and fight them physically. So it was like an extension of me. It was like, yeah, boom, go and do the business. And he went in there and done the business. So it was it was actually even more satisfaction for me and just led me to just unleash the force and hop the cake. Give <laughs> him a great celebration, you know. And then obviously we've got this incredible rivalry, right? I think that Hassan is one of the greatest revelations in reality TV that I've ever seen. I think he's fantastic. You were saying he's got this pretty terrible diet. He's an excellent yeah. character and he's getting into it with Dennis. What do you make of him? What do you make of this rivalry? And hopefully at some point we get to see this play out in the cage. Yeah, I think like one, this is very interesting for TV. I, I love the entertainment that's going on there. I absolutely was laughing every single day between Dennis and Hassan. <laughs> Hassan's a hilarious guy. Like every, every minute you're like, Where's Hassan? He, he goes missing. He's, we got training sessions and he's like, where's Hassan? He's either on the blower or eating the Snickers or drinking the Diet Coke. One of the two. <laughs> well, so um, when when them guys do, do finally fight, I feel like the all the hype is is definitely going to, we're going to feel it or we're going to feel the tension. Them two are not going to hold any shots behind. Somebody's going to get knocked out. And yeah, it's, it's not going to go to the, to the judges. I'd be very surprised if it does. I'll tell you what, Akon, I mean, the idea of eating a Snickers before the biggest fight of your life is a pretty mental concept, so it shows he's just <laughs> this incredible enigma of a character. But these pranks have been going down a storm for television. We had the England flag over the toilet. We had yeah. Dennis spraying Hassan with toilet water, which is pretty outrageous, and then even the water bombs as well. What do you make of these pranks going down? How would you react if you were hit with a water bomb? And what pranks would you would you come up with to uh, hit the island team with? I mean, hit with a water bomb and all that that sort of stuff is it's cool. It's funny. Fight on my face? I heard he farted on his face. I'm knocking wow. him out straight away. <laughs> I, I, I'm waking up out of my sleep and knocking him out. Like, there's no two words about it. And if I don't catch him then, I'll catch him another time. He <laughs> would have a vendetta against him. You can't fart on a man's head. It's crazy. And then the, the water bomb, the water air gun, I thought, oh, cool, yeah, a little bit of laugh. When I seen that he got it from the toilet... Hell no. Listen, Hassan must be fuming. Fuming. Man, that, 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 uh, the, the, what, what's his name? Um, uh, 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 what's, what's his name? What the, uh, what the Dennis and the Hassan, the Dennis, the yeah, yeah. That, that, that Dennis, man, is a dirt, I can't, I'm trying not to swear, but he's a <laughs> dirty so and so, man. How are you going to pull stuff out of the toilet and then spray it on? Hopefully he cleaned the mats after that, because that, that's going to give someone some ringworm, some staff, something nasty. Man. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely not ideal. I don't think I'd be a massive fan of being sprayed with toilet water. And there's this other element to this show. Obviously, you and Shemrock, the coaches for this one, two of the most exciting 
that is in Octagon. You seem to be getting on quite well, but there is an elephant in the room. You're in the same division. You're two of the best in the world. Is there a possibility of seeing this contest at some point? Well, I said before, you know, the, the, it seemed like everybody wanted this fight to happen. Uh, but me and Shem just seemed to, we get along. We're in the same management. So from the back outside, they're making things run smoothly between us. And that's what we got. Good stuff, good stuff. And in July, you made your Octagon debut, producing a pretty impressive performance. Going back to the whole Jedi persona, you came out as Darth Vader, you had the lightsaber, it was suave, it was cool, and then you showed the force in your big win. How did you make of your debut performance? Well, I put a lot of pressure on my shoulders. For one, I said, what I was going to do is come out there and perform. And speaking of Shem, he went out and he didn't perform his first fight. He came out and it was very flat with the performance that he put. So everyone's looking at me as another English guy going, oh, he's talking a lot. Oh, it's another shame. Throw him to the side. Do you know what I mean? And I wasn't getting the love maybe I could have deserved. You know, I didn't get like sort of documentaries or any all this sort of style on. And I was hearing all this and I just, you know, took that as fuel and thought, nah, nah, I, I say what I mean and I, I, I perform. So I'm going to set the levels up even more. I'm going to make a performance from start, middle and end. And that's what I did. I came out there performing in a full Darth Vader. Uh, Darth, um, uh, uh, I, I was, who did I come out as? Jesus Christ. Darth Vader, I think, because you had the mask no, on the cable. Darth, Darth Moore. Darth Moore, sorry. Darth Moore, yeah, yeah. Darth Moore. Flip my mind because I've got something else planned for, for my next fight. But yeah, I came out full dressed as Darth Moore. Swinging a lightsaber, yeah, it broke and flew over there. But anyway, I still came out, performed, went in the cage, got a spectacular first round finish, and then ended with some beautiful jacket cakes. Man. I mean, that's the perfect way to finish. I don't remember the scene in Star Wars when Darth Maul ate the Jaffa Gates, but I'm glad that you're using your inventive character to come up with these ideas. And hopefully, if we ever get a relaunch of Star Wars and Darth Maul comes back, hopefully he'll be chomping on the Jaffa Cakes. But you've got yeah. this next fight. <laughs> Planned at the <laughs> Manchester Arena against Jacob Bandnick. And now it's an opportunity for you to not just produce a great debut performance, but to really rise up those rankings. I know that you've got this idea planned. I can't wait to see what it is, whether you're coming out as Chewbacca, Yoda, C3PO, <laughs> whoever it is, and producing a massive performance over Jacob. Yeah, man, I can't say too much because obviously I want it to be a surprise, but I'll give you one clue. Okay, cool. This is the way. <laughs> right, That's okay. my clue. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I'm sure that people listening to this can maybe put some pieces together and possibly figure out what you're coming out as. Regardless, I can't wait for this card. I think it's going to be a great one. You've obviously got Jake uh, uh, Paul Smith and Jake Quickenden at the top of the bill. Ewan Shem, Alex Lahore, the final of Octagon Challenge England versus Ireland. So it's going to be a bumper bill. I'd like to thank you so much for speaking with me today, talking oh, all man, things awesome. Star Wars, talking all things Octagon. It's really appreciated. But before I let you go, is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, nothing much. Just make sure you come to November the 4th. The Force will be unleashed. Don't miss start, finish and end. And if you want to catch some Jack Cakes, scream less and loud. Perfect. <laughs> So, guys, great interview there. Akon, an incredible character. Obviously, at the start of the interview there, we spoke about what Star Wars characters he could beat in a fight, saying that he could defeat Darth Vader. He would fall foul to the powers of Master Yoda. Rob, I know you're big into your aliens. You're big into your sci-fi. <laughs> you could fight a Star Wars character. Who would it be? Oh, be uh, Luke Skywalker, I think. you go toe-to-toe with Luke. I think it would. Me, him, 
lightsaber, two podiums, dramatic music. It's all it's all there, isn't it? It's all it's, it's Hollywood right there and then. It most certainly is. I mean, let, let's let's picture that bout. You're going toe to toe on the Forest Mood of Endor, which is the is it is from a Return of the Jedi. Okay. So the two of you, you're going toe to toe. You got your lightsabers, obviously, Rob. You're a master of the force. That goes without saying. We know oh, yeah. that for a fact on this show. You are a master almost to me and Paul, and we are your your humble apprentices in the world of the sports zone. You've gone toe-to-toe with Luke. How would you get the victory there? Well, I think you've got to make sure you press him early. You don't let him settle. I think if we're on a podium and there's there's lights involved, you've got to make sure that you know you might be in his vision, make sure that he's not able to, to, to press you and... Just get involved, really. Make sure he's not uh, getting rhythm. I think rhythm's a big thing when it comes to fighting, uh, Path. I suppose you'd agree with me there, being our resident boxer. Yeah, getting into a rhythm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you don't get into a rhythm, you well, for me personally, you're uh, you're on a downer straight away. You get your jab going, don't you? And uh, you know, all boxers are different. I am very, very basic, but but yeah, it is all about rhythm. If you you'll you'll see boxers in, in massive fights, and if you don't get yourself going and don't you know find your rhythm, you you tend to be on the back foot straight away, don't you? And it puts you behind the eight ball, and you usually lose the fight. So so I'd say rhythm and, and getting in that rhythm and getting in that groove is is massively important. Who are you fighting on Star Wars? Who am I fighting on Star yeah. Wars? Um, Someone like that, you. I'll go for that Darth Vader because he, he, he breathes pretty heavy, doesn't he? So I reckon he'll gas <laughs> out him after a couple of rounds. So <laughs> sort him out. <laughs> How about you, James? What's your uh, nemesis on the old Star Wars character fighting? Interesting question. I mean, the first point I'd like to make is that with Paul's fantastic jab, I think he'd be keeping Darth Vader at bay all night. So I could see Paul <laughs> boxing his way to quite a comfortable decision there. Who would I take on? It's it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, do I want to get myself an easy win, or do I want to do I want to take on somebody quite hard? I wouldn't mind a wrestling match with Chewbacca. Mm. He's, he's see people go for the, the lightsaber contest. I'm going old school sumo wrestling match with with the old Wookiee. Yeah, I think talking about that, James, really, you don't want to get involved in too much of a wrestling match because, like, you've got a jab of the hut. I mean, you want to be punching and moving away from him because you don't want to get caught with a sort of a big uppercut from that beast of a, of a, of a fighter. Yeah, well, make no bones about it. He's a big boy, mm. isn't he, jab of the hut? And, uh, you know, he's not opposed to... Uh, to whipping the old chains out. Remember how he kept Princess Leia for a long period of time. I wouldn't want to end up the same way as her. Mm. Uh, probably not in a gold bikini, but you get the sentiment. I don't, I don't want to kept prisoner by Jabba the Hutt. But uh, yeah, I think you're right, Rob, with your tactics there. And if I did take on Jabba the Hutt, I'd like you in my corner. Well, that's what it's all about. I need to be there supporting my my uh, Sports on presenters, colleagues in the battle for the future. Is it, James, with Star Wars? It's the past, isn't it? A that's long, it. Again, a galaxy, uh, getting my words mixed up, but people know what I'm trying to say. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yes, indeed, where boxing exists. Yeah, most certainly by the sounds of it, it does exist. And the idea of me going toe-to-toe with Jabber, I'm sure, would be something that all Star Wars fans would like to see. I also quite like the idea of somebody turning on this show expecting for a sports podcast and ending up listening to Jabba the Hutt and Darth <laughs> Vader and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I hope that you're enjoying what you're listening to. But, Paul, now it's time to talk a little bit about boxing. And we are just saying before that there's been a big count, uh, card announced for November the 18th at the Manchester Arena. Usually we're complaining on these bills that there's mismatch after mismatch after mismatch. You've got prospect against Hungarian bin man. Frank Warren has announced a bill where we've got seven title fights, a rarity in this day and age. 
Yeah, it certainly is, and um, it's, it's good to see because we've we've had some some cards that have probably not lived up to to potential. I mean, me and you went to the Liam Smith Eubank fight, didn't we? And that probably wasn't what we was expecting it to be. Really, I mean, it was a decent fight, decent win for Eubank, but it wasn't it wasn't you know what we what it was built to be, was it? So I think we're uh, we're all ready for, uh, for for a good card, aren't we? And one we can get our teeth into. Absolutely. I mean, what do you make of the main event that night? Nick Ball has gone on a bit of a tear around the British circuit, battering people left, right and centre. But he's going in against Isaac Dogbo here, a former world champion and somebody that's going to give him one one big test. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I like Ball. I think the, the fights I've seen of him so far, he's very, very heavy-handed. He's good to watch and he's... Uh, you know, he's a knockout merchant, isn't he? And, and devastating with that as well. So this will be a big test for him now. And it's, it's, it's a step up and a test that he needs, really, you know, to find out where he is and where his career is going. So uh, I think that's a perfect fight for him. And uh, one that, will you know, they, they won't have took that lightly. You know, his team won't have took that lightly. But he'll be confident he can get, um, you know, he can get a win in that fight. But that, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing, how he can test his skills, his knockout skills against a, probably a step up in an opponent. And looking on that, Bill, in the co-main event, we have an app. Absolute cracker. Denzel Bentley, somebody who has operated at the world level of the sport and produced some pretty good performances, taking on Nathan Heaney, one of the biggest ticket sellers in the country. Everybody knows how how rampant his Stoke fan base is. An interesting fight, a good opportunity for Denzel to pick up a big win and a massive risk for him, Frank Warren, but his major ticket seller in with somebody who's going to be a massive favourite. Yeah, well, Denzel Bentley's a good fighter. He's a very, very good fighter, a very good, solid British fighter. And, um, you know, he's had some good wins under his belt as well. You know, I saw his draw with Mark Efron. He came back and then won that, um, won that, you know, the next fight between him and Mark. And I thought he was really good that night. He looked a step above. And middleweights, he, he really found his uh, found his mark at middleweight, didn't he? But as you say, he is a, a massive ticket seller. And that's a big test for both fighters, really. It's a, it's a tough one to call, that one. It's one I'm really excited to see. I, I think... Heaney's got a couple of years on uh, on Bentley, hasn't he? He's probably, I don't say it's the, the, sort of the latter stage of his career, but he's having a bit of an Indian summer, really, isn't he? But um, that, that should be a terrific fight, that. And, uh, you know, Bentley will sell plenty of tickets as well. Don't know, make no bones about that. But uh, but that that's going to be a cracking fight, that one. It really is. You know, two two blokes there who like to swing lever. And, um, no, I wouldn't like to bet on how that one's going to go. It should That should be probably fight of the night for me, that one. And another cracker. A proper trade fight, Anthony Kakachi versus Ryan Garner. Yeah, yeah, another good one there. I mean, they're they're all good fights on that, Billy. It'd be an hard one to 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 pick your uh, to pick your favourite there out of those. They're all a lot of fifty fifty fights there. There's a lot going on. You know, a lot at stake in, in, in them all, really, you know, with with all the fighters. So uh, yeah, it's probably one of the best cards that we've had for, for a good few years now. It most certainly is. And now a controversial one going down at the Manchester Arena this weekend. We've got Tommy Fury back in action against KSI. Obviously, the YouTube scene isn't something that's caught your imagination. But for somebody like Tommy, who comes from a stereotypical boxing background where he's learnt the basics, he's learnt how to box, he's been around Tyson for so many years. For him taking somebody who isn't from that background and fights with a wacky style where he's throwing wild swings and all that sort of thing, could that cause him any problems? Somebody who isn't doing things in an orthodox way, and Tommy won't be used to that necessarily. Yeah, it could do. It could. I think you've, I mean, and I'm not a massive fan of it, but I suppose as a boxing purist, I, I want somebody like Tommy Fury to go out there and, and do well because I think it sticks up for, for, for boxing as a sport. So I'd like him to do well and, and, and get a good win, really, to be honest. But he's just got to focus on, on his own game. 
and 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 you know not not get carried away, not underestimate anybody. Just just you you know just box the way you do in the gym. You know take that what you what you do in the gym to take it onto fight night. It's it's a world of difference between sparring and being in the gym to being under the lights. We all know that. But he's got to make he's got to have a game plan and and just take his chance. You know because chance there will be chances there against against these people. They're not. I don't know the these these YouTubers and that yeah they'll be they'll be tough opponents you know they're not frightened of, uh, of 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 going for it aren't they but I think there'll be mistakes and there'll be gaps there and there'll be opportunities for you to take so it's up to him to uh, to watch out for that that one chance that he gets when he does get it and then just go for it and then we're going into a big fight in October with Tyson Fury Francis Ngannou again not one for the purists Tyson has now officially signed his deal with Alexander Usyk. Very, very interesting decision to announce that before the Ngannou fight has even taken place. Yeah, well, we've 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 heard a lot of this over in the past decade, haven't we, about people signing and dates being agreed, and then the fight doesn't go ahead. So uh, until you know the, the faces are on posters and and things like that, I mean, you take it with a pinch of salt, don't you? So uh, I mean, for Tyson Fury now, I mean, he's got this this hurdle to get over, hasn't he? Which I'm I'm pretty sure he will do, to be honest with you. And then uh, let's hope that fight gets made then with Usyk, because if it doesn't, it'll be a crying shame, really, because you've got two fighters there who are, who are top of the game. And to me, if I was Tyson Fury and I didn't test myself against Alexander Usyk, I'd be wondering for the rest of my life what what could have been and, and would I have beaten him. And um, you know, you, you don't want to go down that road, do you? So uh, I think he must realise now that you know, for his legacy, he needs to, to to go and fight these people. And probably the last boxing question of the day for you, Paul. Obviously, a weird setup right now within the world of boxing in the world of this heavyweight division, as it is. Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder has seemingly fell apart. They're both out in the cold. Deontay Wilder, I think, is signing up for reality TV competitions. Which direction are we sending Anthony Joshua in now? Because there's seemingly not much of an option for him. No, um, I think it's one of them, really, with Anthony Joshua. I mean, who does he fancy fighting? And, and who fancies fighting him? So um, there's there's got to be fights out there for him. He's still a, a massive ticket seller. He's a massive name in the sport. But I don't know which. If I was his promoter and you had to ask me who would you put him in with, I'm not too sure really. I can't really think of who would who would stick him in with because um, you know we've got the Dylan White fight, haven't we? Which which could happen. You know if you put him back in with him again. But I don't know. I don't know which road I'd, I'd, I'd send him down. It's a tough one, really. I think the Deontay Wilder one was 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 the obvious one, wasn't it? But with that falling apart. Which way would you send him? It's difficult. I mean, there's fights out there. I mean, I suppose, could you do the Andy Ruiz trilogy? Do you put him in with somebody like that? Is it? Is Daniel Dubois has got a lot of hype now, hasn't he? Off the back of the Usyk fight. But it's going to be interesting yeah. to see what direction we send him in. But now it's time to throw back over to Mr. Parkinson for the pair of you to talk all things rugby league. Yeah, rugby league, Paul. Season's finished for Salford. Finished seventh place in the Super League. Initial thoughts on that? Yeah, it was a tough season, Rob. It really was. It was um, a season where, I think if you used to describe it in a couple of words, I think it was a lot of honest endeavour, a lot of heart, a lot of effort. And um, you lack quality at times, I think. I don't think we played the the, the, the exciting brand of rugby. That, well, we tried to, but we didn't come off like it did last season for one reason or another. But, you know, with the, with the limited squad size that we've got, I think to finish seventh and, and only miss out by you know on the last the last game of the season, I think was a valiant effort really to be honest with you and uh, yeah I, I think the 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 players at times punched above the weight. I think we come up short in a lot of games by a couple of points. You know 
I can think of three games only Leeds and St. Helens where we could have won all three of them. You know, um, we was really unlucky in that. And the six points there, you probably finish probably finish fourth. So I don't think we're a million miles off. And it was, like I said, a valiant effort. Yeah. Played 27, won 13, lost 14, 494 points scored, 512 points conceded, which gave us a minus 18 goal uh, points difference. Um, how would you read that? Because obviously we finished kind of mid table, so it's 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 decent enough that we you know with our points difference wasn't too negative, but you really want to be positive, don't you? We didn't score enough points, Rob. We didn't score mm. enough points this season compared to last season. And, and to be honest with you, if you're scoring less than twenty points at the match on average, you're not you're not winning that many games, are you? So I think the scoring the points was was the one for, for me. We didn't create enough. We didn't create half as much as we did last year. I don't think the defence was too bad, but you know we, we, at times we, we're balling and we uh, we took the wrong options. We didn't create as much, and I think teams found us out. We weren't the unknown quantity we were last season. You know, people didn't really know about Brody Croft last season, and you know they, they perhaps did this season. I think they marked him up. I mean, you've only got to look at the amount of tackles Brody Croft has done. Sides have obviously targeted him, and coaches have told their players, you know, run at him all day long, wear him out, and I think that's what people have done. So, you know, these coaches at other clubs and around Super League, they're not they're not mugs either. They, they know the game inside out, and um, you know, it's up to Salford now to not to reinvent the wheel, if you like, but you know, you know, we need to change things around a bit and you know, refresh for next season and, and attack it like you know as best we can because we've got some good players there, and um, you know. We've got the makings of a good side. I think we're one or two forward shot, perhaps, but you know we're we're not we're not depleted. We're not relegation fodder. We've got mm. we've got something to work with there, really. So um, so yeah, I'm not too worried. No personal highlights for me: the beating Lee a couple of times, Hull FC away, uh, beating them by sixty points to fourteen. Three wins on the spin in April against Catalan, Castleford, and Lee. Uh, three wins on the spin in May: Hull, Huddersfield, and Leeds. Um, but like you say, season kind of tailed off towards the end. Injuries, suspensions, off-field um, sort of stories building around the club. Uh, and I suppose Paul Rowley will look at that, look back at that and think, well, how could have done that different? To me, the, I've said it loads of times this season, I think the, the, the season changed uh, in that second half at St. Helens. We were 12 and up at St. Helens and for one reason or other, that second half, we lost Shane Wright and we just seemed to implode a bit, really. And I think it took a lot of confidence out of the team. We made some really ridiculous mistakes in that game as well, if you watch it back and the tries mm. we conceded. And I think that affected our confidence big style. Um, that first half was, was champagne stuff. Some of the couple of the tries we scored, I remember, that I think Brian Briley got a cracking try in that game and we were showing the champions up on their own ground for, for 40 minutes. So uh, that was a highlight for me in the second half, not so much. But I think the Hull FC away game was tremendous. We scored some fantastic tries in that game and really put them away. The opening night, Lee, I think, was a great win. You know, to go there with all the fanfare of Lee and a full house and all the fireworks and this, that and the other. And we did a really professional job on Lee. And I think the, the Challenge Cup game against Huddersfield as well was a, a real seesaw game, wasn't it? You know, tremendous stuff that. So, uh, so yeah, I think there, I think there were some good highlights there, and obviously the golden point extra time win against Warrington was a very exciting game too. Yeah, like like I said, oh, great things happening on the field, off the field. Tyler Dupree leaves. The speculation about Brody Croft going to going to Leeds. Got the Reds Rise Together campaign, raising money, trying to uh, sort of keep the club in a stable position and help it grow into bigger and better things in the future. It's it's been a bit of a mixed season for me. 
Yeah, well, there's other rumours. I think Oliver Partington to Warrington is another rumour that's doing the rounds. I think there's a rumour revolving every player at the moment. I mean, Ken Seal's future's still up in the air. Um, so, yeah, there could be a lot of player movement at the end of the season and, you know, players coming in, players leaving. So, yeah, it has been a bit of a mixed bag, Rob. It hasn't, you know, let's make no bones about it. There's, you know, we're not a washing money. If you, you read social media and, and stuff the club are putting out at the moment, it, it, it's obvious that we're struggling for cash. So, uh, so yeah, you know, the season, next season, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a long, close season, you know, hanging on to players and wheeling and dealing in the, in sort of, um, not the transfer market, but, you know, the, the recruitment market, mm. if you like, signing players and things like that. So it's going to be a long off season, but it's going to be a real roller coaster of an off season as well. So uh, fingers crossed that we uh, we keep the nucleus of that team together that we've got. Because like I said before, we've got the makings of a, of a decent team. Yeah, we've got some great players in the team. Brodercroft and Mark Sneed are in the top six in the Man, Man of Steel awards, which kind of shows how far we've come as a club. I think there's only Wigan and Lee that have more than two players in that list of top ten. Yeah, we've got Callum Watkins in the Dream Team as well, who I think, you know, he had a few injuries this season, Callum, but other than that, he's had, a, he's had an excellent season again for us. You know, we've got Shane Wright to come back from injury next season, who'll be like a brand new player, and Shane's a top player as well. You know, we've got Dion Cross, who signed the new contract. You know, Dion's a, a good young player as well, isn't he? Ryan Briley got the, the, the man of... The, man of um, Player of the Year awards, not Man of Steel, Player of the Year awards at Salford, didn't he? And sort of swept the board, really, you know, winning the devil and the detail ones as well. So mm. we've got some good players and we've got plenty to be positive about. It's an exciting time, obviously, to be a Salford Red Devils fan. Obviously, when you cut back all the noise, they are working hard behind the scenes to keep the club going in the right direction. Um Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with you know some some of our stars in in the off season, but you're hoping we'll have enough to keep you know the majority of them together, the nucleus of this squad together, and go again in 2024. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we'll be okay, Rob. I mean, what'll be will be, won't it? You know, you, you've just got to cut your cloth and, and go with what you can, and the club will make financial decisions based on what's best for Salford, won't they? So if that means selling players and, and bringing other players in, then, then then so be it. I mean, you know, there's worse things happening in the world, isn't there? We've just got to uh, just got our fingers crossed and, and just put our best foot forward and just hope everything works out. And that's what it's all about. I suppose you've got to keep faith in the likes of Paul King and Ian Blees that they are going to be able to keep producing this magic, uh, you know, year in, year out. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, everybody sort of questioned it when we sold Jackson Hastings and, you know, he's a massive hole to lead the team, wasn't he? But, you know, the players came in and, you know, Brodie Croft came in, a, you know, a couple of years, done two seasons with us up to now. He's still a soft player at the moment as we record this. But, you know, there's, there's always other players out there and players have come and gone. You know, for the last century or so, haven't they, Salford? So you move on as a club and, you know, you create new heroes, don't you? New players will come in over the next decade or so, won't they? So uh, there's, there's, uh, the future's unwritten, Rob, isn't it? You know, there's, uh, it's a long time since we won a trophy, so we've just got to keep going. And, yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult to compete with the likes of Leeds and Wigan and St. Helens. But, you know, that's, that's sport. You know, that's why we, we go into sport. Nobody said it was going to be easy. So, um, you know, we're just going to keep going. Yeah, and that's what makes supporters, you know, follow the team. It's it's the pure love in it of of, yeah, of what they bring uh, to your life. Yeah, yeah, dead right. It's a journey, isn't it, that, that you're on? You know, if you, if it was easy and you were winning every week, and you know, uh, it was all rosy in the garden, it'd get boring, really, wouldn't it? So uh, it's that chase that that you're on, and that struggle, and um, yeah, you've got to keep fighting, haven't you? And I think 
whether you're a rugby league sport or a football sport, that team that you follow is is your team, it's your family, and uh, you'll do anything for them, and you know, and vice versa. So, uh, so yeah, long may that continue. Yeah, it's just tapping into the the main uh, sort of thoughts of the people of Salford, and that's the that's the important yeah. that's the step. For, for me uh, the, the club need to get continue to engage in the local community in the community of Salford and the surrounding areas to grow the club because we need growth to continue to improve both on and off the field uh, with a minute to go yeah we probably have this chat before have we? it's not the same as it was sort of 40 50 years ago 60 years ago or whatever there's a lot more going on now in greater manchester you know back in the 50s 60s 70s there probably wasn't a lot for people to do so not to say that it's a century ago, but it was different then, wasn't it? So uh, it's a very cosmopolitan place now and it's difficult to attract people, but you know, the club are doing the best, aren't they? Yeah, and obviously 30 seconds to go. Percentage increase, what do you think we'll be looking for next season? Anything, Rob. Anything anything that improves is a good thing. So if we can get you know 500 more people there next season, 1,000 more, you know, anything that goes up is an improvement. Yeah, and I think it's so important that if you are looking and thinking about buying a season ticket for Soul for Red Devils, do it now so the club have that money in the bank. It's easier as well and cheaper to buy it early. Uh, also buy it, Swinton Lions as well, They're another local side uh, that, that want your support. So, big thanks for joining us on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Ron Parkinson. He's been Paul Whiteside. Don't forget, you can listen every Tuesday and every Wednesday on Salford City Radio to us talking all things sport in Salford and beyond. See you soon for more Salford Sporting Chat on your Salford City Radio. 